Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And we are here, the eve of the Lions. They have played the provinces, they've showed up in wrongly numbered kits. In fact, they've even lost. They've lost to South Africa A. But they are finally here. The team has been picked, the battle line's drawn, and we will find out on Saturday if the British and Irish Lions have what it takes to take on the Springboks. But down the line, there is Tim Cocker. Tim, how are you? Not as well as you, by the look of it, JB. You're all, I, I mean, I, I don't know that you have any clothes on at this point, because every part of you that I can see, it doesn't have any clothes on it. Yeah, well, in the dungeon, when you're down the line and there's no uh, Phil, Phil is off the radar. Phil is, how on, completely off the radar. I don't know where he is. He looked at his no, phone this had morning. No reply from him. Yeah. Uh, he, he looked at his phone this morning at 7am, and that was it. Done. So I thought, do you know what? Wow. I'm going to lounge around in my dungeon. And I'm not going to tell you what I've got. I'm, I'm just going to you know, leave it to your imagination. <laughs> well, can I just uh, add to what you said uh, with your brilliant intro? Oh, thank is you. This is, this is a bit of an emergency podcast because, yes, the teams have been announced, but not at the point that we thought they were going to be announced. Warren Gatland hastily released his team this morning at 10 a.m. Ah. It was originally planned to be tomorrow. Yeah, good old Owen Slot found uh, found the team, filed the report, and away we go. Uh, uh, Alex Lowe, actually. Was it Alex Lowe? Take it back. Tell you what, some of those times, guys, are phenomenal. They are phenomenal at their jobs. Some of them. Um, In fact, they're all interesting, aren't they? But fair play, great, great get. It is a great get, but Warren Gatlin must have been absolutely fuming. I bet there's somebody in... Test consideration. Who's no longer in test consideration now? Do you want to wildly speculate? Yeah, Josh Adams. Well, yeah. Well, he, what you think? Instead of a gender reveal party, he had a Lions squad reveal party with Exa- people back in South Wales. Exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. I can't imagine it. Do you know? I can't imagine how this has happened, other than a player, you know, a player has leaked it who was disgruntled because. The amount of stuff all of these guys have gone through to get to this point, the uncertainty, like I said in the intro, the wrong numbered shirts, the council games, the rearranged games, all the travelling, all the hardship, being in the bubble. Say what you like about some of the rugby, but you can't knock how much stuff they've been through together. So for someone to leak the team is, I don't know, is something not, not good about that, is there? I suppose it could have easily been 
someone so excited, so so happy, who just said, look, mum, dad, don't tell anyone, but... Here's a team. I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. But... I hope... A bit, a bit the whole team, because if it was like, oh, I'm so excited, you'd just say, I'm in. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Rather than, here's all 23 players. Although 22 of the 23 were correct. The 23rd wasn't right. So uh, Ian Henderson was on the original... Uh, Hendo leaked it, didn't he? And then he got dropped. <laughs> and then he was wrong. I'm wondering whether that my sort of a wild speculative theory based on that is the fact that Ian Henderson was in the leaked squad and he's the only one that was different. Is I reckon maybe Warren Gatland has given different people different squads. Which I love it. So he can narrow it down. Don't don't Hollywood executives do that? They give different scripts, slightly different scripts to different people to find out. Was it different briefings in government? I'm sure. I'm sure that's happened before. Anyway, it was uh, Rebecca Vardy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's Rebecca Vardy. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Well, first uh, as, for, as for the team itself, um, what do you make of it? Well, I make I make that we know our rugby team. We know our rugby because we were very close. Yeah. Well. Well, what I would say is so my fifteen. I had quite a few that were off wide of the mark. Mm. And and I'm sure you and Phil would have been a little bit the same. But the three of us together, the sum of our parts is far better than the individual constituents. And that's that's a great place to be because collectively, the three of us came up with very nearly the exact team that Warren Gatlin selected. We got one wrong in the pack, to, Toby Falatow. And we got... Josh Adams in the backs and Murray starting. So, you know, you flip Murray and Price around and I think those are the... Adams for Duan. Adams for Duan. We, you, you almost said we, we got we made a bit of a hash of the bench. We got two guys wrong on the bench. We got Jamie George in there and we had somebody else as well. Uh, we didn't have Sutherland in. We had Mako in. Uh, to be fair, I think whoever Warren Gatlin picked in any given position, and it, you, you'd end up going, that's a good-looking Lions team. But he, uh, Warren Gatlin said this was the hardest selection process he's ever made. And what did he say? He said, so it was less than half of the squad, left, less than half of the 15, there were unanimous decisions from the coaches on. Less than how, how many? Le- less than half. I think three in the, uh, four in the forwards and three three in the backs he said all the coaches agreed on wow i can imagine that i can imagine that so the way i look at this is warren gatland knows how he wants to play last lions tour it was obvious how he was going to play because he had his attack coach from wales and we'd seen that show before and then to add a little bit of coaching diversity to the whole touring party farrell was included in the defense role and we all know that defences can be formulated with more or less whoever you want. I mean, there are some guys who are exceptional, like Brad Barrett, but actually it's the system that trumps the players, doesn't it? Generally speaking, it's not like attack. Well, this time around, his attack coach, the guy who gives him the diversity in terms of coaches from the nations is Gregor Townsend. And Gregor Townsend being a head coach himself and being in charge of the attack, well, he can't just pick any old 15 players. Gregor Townsend has to have a real substantial say. And I think Gregor Townsend plays the game a lot differently to how Gatlin plays the game. And it's very interesting to see what this squad is because that means this is a true compromise between those two guys and how those two guys think. And I think they've done a really good job. I think they've done a great job. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, actually. And I, I think I said in the last podcast, I, I think the, 
the more of an influence Gregor Townsend has on the way the Lions play, the better their chances. Because particularly with the players he's got available, they they can really stretch South Africa and they need to because in that Springbok A game, the defence wasn't stretched. They never looked really uncomfortable. They look they look threatening at times, but um, I think they've got real danger. And I loved hearing Anthony Watson in the week. He was talking about he was asked about Cheslin Colby and he said, Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got to pay attention to him and you know, got to give him respect. He's one of the best players in the in the world. And but but Anthony Watson said, But you know, he needs to worry about us as well. Yeah. And there is a there is a sense that the Lions are like, No, no, we're we're here. Well, as they should. There are a couple of misnomers going around about this game. So the first one, and I'll admit to getting this wrong, is that I mean, actually I wonder if this is reflected in the it is reflected in the selection, right? I expect the I expected the South African pack to be much bigger than it is, much bigger. So in all but two positions, I think that the Lions either match their opponents or are bigger. The only place where the man for man larger in the South African pack is uh, um, the giant in the and Lekanyoan. Uh, sorry, or, sorry, no. Uh, I'm only talking about the in pack. The pack. Yeah, backs. Oh, Peter Stefftoy. Peter Stefftoy. Um, thank you. Those are the only two. Those are the only two which are bigger than their opposite man. Everybody else is not just smaller, they're actually substantially smaller. And then Mostart's about even, right? So I don't think this South African team is going to be as brutal as, say, the one we saw in the World Cup. And I don't think that necessarily stretching these boys is going to be that effective because on good, hard ground, um, you've got a lad like Mostart who is unbelievably good. He is just an absolute workhorse. So that's you know. So the way people talk about the South African team being brutal, I don't think it's going to pan out. I think it's the Lions that will have the physical upper hand for the first thirty. Sorry, thirty. Mm. The first sixty. But then, have you seen South Africa's bench? I know. Well, this is it because I, so uh, on the Lions Daily um, show that I did earlier, mm-hmm. which I do every day. There's not a game on on Talksport Two. Come and come and tune in. But. Um, one of the things I said, we were sort of discussing the matchups, and I said, if you had to pick a, a unit of three to be a front row, the starting 15s, I'd pick the Lions front row. However, if I had a choice of everyone, I would pick the replacement front yes. row for South Africa. Kits off, marks, kits off Marks Malherbe on the bench. Oh, goodness me. With Lude as well. That is frightening. They are massive off the bench. So, I mean, their, their front row, there's not a six-footer among them. And it's not that important. Uh, you know, maybe sometimes I make too much of the size battle. But, you know, when you average it out and you think about all the carries and what and whatnot, um, it's just important to note that this South Africa team is not just about brutal power. It'll be about more than that. The last 30 minutes, however, will be about absolute brutal physicality. And that I am sure of. Hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think the Lions have got to be in the lead yes. for 50 minutes. And then they've got to defend their way out of trouble for 30. And that's when it's going to test them. Now, if they go behind, I don't know how they come back into this. So it's all going to be settled for me uh, in the first 30. Well, no. If I, South Africa are ahead, I think it's over. If we are ahead, we need to be well ahead. And then we've got a chance of winning. There's no way we can let South Africa get ahead and then come back into it late. The bench is not strong enough. Almost to the point, the South African bench is too strong. Yeah. And this is where we saw in that Springbok A game how, and this is how South Africa play. When you think back to the World Cup as well, you can, in five minutes, they can 
they can be gone. They can score two quick tries, boom, you're uh, and fourteen nil before you know it. Mm. And th- that is, and therefore dictating the territory, and th- the possession is going to be massive. So S- South Africa, one of the ways they play, is they just try to avoid letting the opposition into the twenty-two, mm. and they're they're one of the best at never letting the opponents into the twenty-two. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, it's, it, tactically, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. And that's why I'm not surprised at the decision because Ali Price has been brilliant. But I think I think going along with what you said, and it, it could that they could be opening up a bit, Ali Price's selection. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. I'm so excited. So <laughs> quite a few things on Twitter made me laugh today. And one of them was one of those things which is said in jest, but it's a bloody good point, which is if the Lions aren't on top, Ali Price is your man because who who is better at playing behind an understrength pack than Ali Price? He does, you know, that's literally his day job, uh, either be for Glasgow or for Scotland. Does that make sense? But actually, the Lions should be on top, and it's Conor Murray that's going to have to deal with the pack going backwards. And I, you know, I'd be interested to see actually how he goes. Mm. I, I tell you one thing though, mm-hmm. um, that so get this, okay. The back row of, and I'm so pleased for Courtney Laws, uh, mm-hmm. the back row of L- Laws, Curry and Conan have never played together as a trio. The front row of Luke Cowan Dickey, uh, Tyke Furlong and Wynne Jones have never played together as a three. No. The, half, the halfbacks of Ali Price and Dan Bigger have never played together as a pair. The back three of Hogg, Duan van der Merwe and um, uh, Anthony Watson have never played together as a three. So when Warren Gatlin said a couple of weeks ago he's not going to show his hand before the first test, he was not joking. No, he wasn't. Uh, so what, magic of the Lions, mate. That's just how it is, isn't it? That, in fact, that's what I want to see. I want to see these guys playing with each other rather than uh, you know having settled combinations from national teams. It's the way forward. That's why people love the Lions. I want to see Ali Price um, operating efficiently with Dan Bigger and seeing what they can conjure up. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's, but that on its own, though, because you think about it being combinations, I think that just backs up the fact that the provincial sides, because they've been shorn of the South African internationals in their squads, have not been good. And therefore, Warren Gatland's gone. Now, what you do against the Stormers or the Bulls is irrelevant. What I see in training is what I'm judging it on. Because he, they will have had to have developed those combinations, Price and Bigger and uh, Laws, Curry, Conan, they'll have had to develop those in training. Yeah, well, I've got a very interesting point on this. After I tell you about the North Dorset Sevens, yes, <laughs> thank you everybody for getting in touch. We've now got a Tens team, we've now got a Sevens team, and we've also had a few more COVID issues. So, yeah, another guy. So, like I said, we get two, we lose one, we get two, we lose one. If you want to play Sevens, you're under 35, let me know. If you're North, Dor- North Dorset, let me know, let me know, let me know. Over 35, you want you want to play uh, in the tens, let me know. DMs open. Contact eggchasers at, at, at gmail dot com. Or if you just want to see the live show Sunday morning, Lions reaction, yeah. Lions reaction. Yeah, yeah. Come have a drink. Oh, yeah. you know, come have a chat. Yada yada yada. Uh, so yeah, North Doors at sevens. Do all that good stuff. Remember, we still need players. Honestly, we have had enough players now pull out to make. I think we made. I was like four, four, five, four, five teams. Four or five teams. So it's just this never-ending roundabout of players in, players out. COVID, COVID is killing 
Not people, rugby teams. My rugby team. <laughs> what were you going to say when I said about the combinations being developed in training? You were about to say something. Yeah. So I think we might look back at this, and I haven't got the numbers to prove it. It's just something which I feel. That the guys who are starting either proved themselves in the games and or they were already starting in Warren Gatlin's mind. So he went out there with the starting 15. And the guys he gave the game time to were the guys who he needed to see and needed to know more about. So Simmons got four games on the bounce, whereas there's other lads who will be starting who already got any games. Good example of this. I know Alan Wynn would have played more had he have been there. But does he need to play? I mean, how much does Alan Wynn need to play? Um, I know we've mentioned him already, um, but Courtney Laws, most capped current English forward. He knows about Courtney Laws. He knows about Amaro. He knows about a lot of the lads um, who are playing. And I think he gave a lot more game time to the lads he didn't know in order to let them prove themselves. And did they... I mean, they did well. I, I can't think of anyone so far who's had a bad tour. So, I, I, I think... Uh, and I, I, I can think of it... I was thinking about this. I won't name names, but... Uh, go on, name them. Get them. I, I think there's a couple of people where I go, no, they, they don't deserve to be... They're not in contention for a test spot. The only one I would say that about, and it's just because he made a few mistakes, he's actually been very good other than that. And I think if he played a test, he could do something magical, is Lewis Reece Summit. I think that's the only one that he's really... I think Farrell has had an okay... I mean, he might want to consider himself lucky to be on the bench. I don't think he's a good bench player. Um, but, but, yeah, other than that, and those are very minor criticism. Both lads have done done very well. They've just made a couple of mistakes, and mistakes in, in this tour seem to be fairly hard to come by. I, I think one of the positions where there's a def, there was a definite two for the match day squad and one who was a, a level below Xander Fagerson. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I think Furlong and Sinclair are comfortably comfortably ahead of him. Mm. Did you but get? Yeah, you're right. You're right, generally. Did you get a Scott on for your um, for your show? Uh, uh, yes, Who? but they, they'd already organised a different one. So it wasn't oh. one of the ones for the, for the lovely guys from the Thistle podcast, who we will get on for future uh, shows. But yeah, Scotland will be absolutely buzzing. Although I think it says everything about where Scotland are at now and how far they've come with the fact that I got I had the Scottish fan on on, on the the Lions Daily Show and. Um, and I said, oh, you know, you've got more people in a match day squad than you had Scottish players on the tour four years ago. How are you feeling? And he went, yeah, it's good. Hamish Watson should have started, though. Should be starting. Which is, like, he's like, yeah, we got three, but we should have had four. And that, that's actually, I would say, that's a, a great sign for Scotland that they're... Well, is it? great want... of players and they're, you... and they're still not happy. Well, okay. Well, they're never happy, right? They're never happy anyway. <laughs> that's the first thing. And the second thing I'd say is, if you had Serene McGeekin on your show and he said, do you know what? There's four guys. There should have been five. I'd say, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can take that. That's a good place. For a fan to say it, couldn't care less. I, you know, look, Hamish Watson, magnificent player. Magnificent player. Like like Stephen Jones said, and I'm not a fan of Stephen Jones. Like he said, he's too small. And that is literally what has happened. He is too small. So, you know. And well, he's on the bench. So I, I disagree with that. He's He never gets taken down by the first tackle he always manages no, to bend or shrug it off that's absolutely fair uh, you know but weight matters volume of carries matters all that sort of thing and for him to play i don't know if they've got the size elsewhere to accommodate it 
uh, until maybe a, bit, a little bit later on in the game. But even there, I'm not well, even sure. I think he's on the bench because he's just the best player. And I think it's a sign of how well he's played that they've put him on the bench. I don't think he could have started him. Get this for a bit of a coup. Um, so bear in mind, so TalkSport have got the radio commentary. Yep. Uh, Sky Sports have got the TV commentary, obviously, the TV mm-hmm. coverage, obviously. Whilst I was doing the TalkSport show, uh, I had Will Greenwood on as a guest. Oh, nice. And and during our conversation, when I was asking him about who should be, in his opinion, the uh, Lions centres, I got a message about Alex Lowe's leaked team. Oh, wow. And he and Will Greenwood was on the line. So I had the, the, the main talent from the broadcasting competitor giving his raw reaction to the leaked team on my show, yes. not on his own show. Yeah. And what did he say about the censors? Who did he go for? Well, he actually went for Henshaw Daly. Oh, good. Yeah, the more you think yeah. about that, it's a selection that you come to via deduction, isn't it? You think, uh, I was listening back to our podcast see how many we got right. And the way we spoke about Aki, it's like, yeah, you like the guy. Very good player. No, not quite him. Owen Farrell, no, not quite him. And then you effectively left with Daly and Henshaw. I, I think, you mm. know, if you watched enough of the tests, uh, sorry, tests, enough of the games, you'd have to come to that conclusion. Yeah. But one thing Will Greenwood did say on the back row, which I actually disagree with slightly, but he, he said um, he said that is it a slightly negative selection? He's gone for bruisers rather than ballers. Nah. So he's flat, with no Falatau, no Tyke Byrne, I see what he's getting at. They they can both offload. They're, they're very skillful, silky players. But I think that maybe does down the skill set of the guys that are starting. I think Jack Conan has got actually really good footwork for a big fella, and he, he is a really intelligent rugby player as, as well as being yeah, a big Yeah, Conan player. is the shock, isn't he? So I wanted to focus uh, more on the flankers. But no, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be focusing on Conan. I, if I'm honest, I don't get it. You know, I, I'm sure Gatlin does get it. I, I don't know why that section was made. I heard today he's carried more meters than any of the other eights. That could mean something. I don't think of him as an enormous eight. You know, he's not a he's not a Billy. He's not, you know. And on the other hand, he's not quite as skillful as Falatau. He's certainly not as explosive as Simmons. So I don't know. Don't really know what the thinking was behind that. Well, I think back to, and I think the the performance that got him on the plane was Ireland against England, last game in the Six Nations. He was awesome. Mm. He was awesome. In what, was, in what respect is carrying? I don't. I can't remember the game. Yeah, he's his carrying his offloads, and as I say, his footwork's really good. And um, yeah, he's had a lot of injury issues, but I think with the rise of Caelan Doris while he was injured, I think a lot of people were thinking. And even even a few weeks ago, if you'd said who's going to be starting for Ireland in the autumn, I think a lot of people would have said, well, probably Caelan Doris with Jack Conan on the bench or or in the in the squad. But fair play to him; he's obviously been doing something in training. Yeah, he's, he's shown up well in the games. But um, I think he's more than just a, a kind of flat track bully kind of number eight. I, I really really like him. I, I did not see that selection going, and I think you're right to say that's the big surprise. And if you think back. Him and Elliot Daly were not picked in many people, if anyone's pre pre tour squads, and they're both starting the first test. Yeah, there, there was um, a bit of amateur analysis going on. I know you were very impressed with it, Tim, but I actually was impressed with it, showing Falatau in li- in lineouts and how he wasn't how he was being targeted. Now, it was interesting because it was Falatau over and over again who was being targeted. But looking at 
that analysis again. All it told me is that the Lions' defensive scheme wasn't that good, not that Falatau was bad. No, Falatau was just in the space where any jumper, any, any jumper worth their salt would have jumped because that's where the space was. Well, if, not, they, they weren't going, where's Falatau? I better jump on him because he's useless. No, they're literally looking at behind the main jumper because they know the Lions are in two pods. And if you're in two pods rather than mirroring, you're obviously going to have a gap, aren't you, of two men who are back-to-back who are not going to be in the air. Um, but Falatau happened to be that guy. There were a couple of times when Falatau went, went up against against the thrower in the South Africa A game, and he didn't look comfortable reacting quickly off the ground. Maybe that's a weakness to his game. Um, but, you know, that's the only... With, I don't know. With, with Laws at six, I don't think that really matters, because well, he's there as your line-out man. Again, it depends, doesn't it? Because Alan Winner wants to go up and down. Atoji's excellent. Uh, Laws will want to go, go up and down. So, do they mirror? Do they? You know, what what is it that they're going to do? Are they going to man up? Are they going to mock some space? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what mm. scheme that scheme that they come up with. But what is very obvious about the South African lineout is they run very simple, very precise lineouts, which is what I like. Just very precise, well drilled lineouts, and they're not overly complex. Yeah, that's fair. I think the one thing when I look at the the Lions team, I, I'm encouraged that they've clearly selected players based on what they can do not what they can't do and the Duan van der Merwe selection is a great example of that it does make me think though that Faf de Klerk's just going to be looking for him all day long with box kicks yeah maybe and it'll be a nightmare if he catches them all yeah but equally how feasible is this because I sort of said this earlier as a bit of a ingest comment but the more I think about it the more I go how much could you do this particularly offset pieces could you defensively put Anthony Watson on Colby's side and then when you've got the ball just go go on then back onto the back onto the right wing you go Duan or whichever wing sounds a little bit convoluted it sounds very hard to move a wing from side to side although to be fair I've not played back three for best part of a decade so I have no idea how um, how it'd work I honestly I honestly do not know and I think the other thing about defending Chelsea and Colby is yeah he shows up on the wing a lot he shows up everywhere quite quite a lot so I think they've all got, got, got to be on their game when it comes to stopping him. I mean, yeah, he's, that's a fair shout. He, he scored a try for Toulouse by picking the ball up at scrum half, running backwards and running forward. Like, if you taught a kid that, like, you know, you, 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 you'd be done for child abuse by letting that kid play a game of rugby. He'd be so badly damaged. Next drill, lads. Pick up the ball, run backwards, sideways, and then, yeah, you're right. Then, he's insane. And, and then run forwards. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, uh, the matchups make games, don't they? And this is just so good. I, I agree. I'm I'm really encouraged. I think the Lions will not be bullied up front. No, and that that fills me with a lot of confidence for it. I just, they and but I do think, as I said, they need to be ahead after 50 minutes. I guess my main concern for the Lions is where are they getting their cutting edge from? So who is in there orchestrating the plays? In England, uh, you know, you've got the magnificence of um, Ford, who can do an awful lot of things, does not get enough credit for it. You know, if you're looking at the Harlequin setup, Marcus Smith, the way he, he plays rugby is absolutely stunning. Uh, no doubt Dan Bigger can do it. Uh, but then, like, who's his second, who's his second fiddle? Who's helping, uh, who's helping him out there? Uh, a hog. Yeah, perhaps. And, and also, in fact, I forgot to mention this on the last podcast. Phil would have loved this. Uh, so we've heard about tight head and loose head locks becoming a part of the rugby vernacular. Mm-hmm. Someone described Elliot Daly as 
being a blindside 10. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. I don't agree with that at all. Why? Because he can kick long. No, I think it was that the, they seem to have used him as the the first receiver on the blind side a few times. So Who said blind side 10? The... They need to be arrested. Yeah, I know. It, I'll, 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 on, on the next podcast, I'll get I'll get a name so we can name and change. Yeah, them. yeah, name them. We we don't need blind side blind side ten mixed into the mixed into the laws. Yeah, it's it's outrageous. I know, but Hog can come in as a second distributor. He played ten when he was younger. Elliot Daly's got the skill set that he can step in, and and, and Robbie Henshaw's no slouch as well. So I'm not I'm not actually overly concerned about that, and I. I think I, I'm I'm full of confidence now. I think the Lions are going to do it. Not not by a lot, obviously, but I think they'll I think they'll win by six. I've got to say, I think it's going to be ferociously tight towards it. It's going to be a grandstand finish. I really do believe that. And if Lions, I think the Lions are slight favourites. And when they win, or if they do win, it is going to be one hell of a fight in that last ten minutes. It is going to be monumental. If South Africa are in striking distance. I'm not sure they can be stopped. If they're not, um, as in if they're more than seven points away, yeah, I'm, I think the Lions will hold on. Yeah, the, the, there is that concern me under the replacement front five for South Africa and the two centres, Deerlande and Am. I think they are weapons. Well, the, the thing about Am is I'm not entirely sure you can go round him, you can't really go through him. He's a pretty solid piece of meat. He knows how to defend. He's got a sort of Jonathan Joseph-esque quality about the way that the way that he defends doesn't make many mistakes. Just very, very good, very solid player. Yeah, the whole the whole, whole South African team is good and solid. The only thing that surprises me is they're not as massive as I originally thought they could have been or would have been. And uh, oh, by yeah. the way, they've sent home the Duprees. Bye, lads, and and Cooney who stays in. See you later. Gone. Really? Yep. Gone. Gone back to sale. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, well. It's, no, it's going to be huge. Um, absolutely massive. I cannot wait. Cannot bloody wait. Oh, no, I, I do think it's advantage Lions for the series with the news this week confirmed that all three tests will be in Cape Town. I think that's massive. And a big part of that is not just the fact they're not playing at altitude. Possibly even bigger than that is the fact that the Lions get to stay at their their golf resort basically they've got this luxury five-star golf resort completely to themselves so they've got loads of grounds uh-huh. they can move they can move around as much as they want to play golf obviously they've got they're the only people in this hotel whereas south africa side have to stay in a city center cape town hotel where they oh, wow. do not have the ability to move in, uh, in the way that lions do so I, I psychologically as much as anything i think that could be massive yeah i completely agree with that uh, i've got a little, a little tidbit for you so, do you remember a few weeks ago, um, Stuart Hogg was forced to isolate? And the reason he's forced to isolate is because Gregor got pinged or whatever it was, or tested or something like that. And, and he, sat behind, he sat behind him on the bus. Oh, he sat behind him? Yeah, so... I so sat the, next I, to him. I found out this, so, so Gregor sat on the bus, and so the person behind and the, and him, and the person to, his, to Gregor's right or left, or whichever side he was sat, had to isolate as well, and uh, Stuart Hogg was behind, and, and another member of the medical staff was next to him, and they all had to isolate. Ah, right, I'm with you. I thought he sat next to him. I was going to say, I thought he sat next to him, and then they were seen sitting next to each other, which is why they had to isolate. But you're saying that he was behind him? 
I believe he was behind him, yeah. There we go then. Ignore what I was about to say. It seems to be salacious gossip. Um, oh, no, what, no, tell me the salacious gossip. Well, it was, have, no, it wasn't salacious gossip. It's uh, basically the fact that they have their own seats. So I was trying to find out who sits next to who because I thought that'd be quite quite fine, quite funny to find out. You know, um, I've selected Dallin Wynne Jones and someone such as such and such, and I thought it'd be quite cool to work. You know, and see if there's any odd relationships in there that you wouldn't expect, like I don't know, uh, Tad Furlong and uh, Josh Adams becoming best best buddies because they both like horses or something. I got no idea. Well, I can tell you one thing like that. I can tell you that Tad Furlong has formed a friendship with someone. Oh. Uh, Tom Curry. Is that right? Yeah, and the the friendship has been forged oh my God. over DJing. So Tom, Tom Curry, Curry DJs bought, now. Tom Curry bought some decks oh and took God. them out with him. Uh, they they initially started in Tom Curry's room, but they've now been moved into the team room because Tig Furlong also has got into this DJing lark, and they like they play tunes for the boys. And did you know Josh Navidi actually DJs in Cardiff? No, I didn't. I can't believe I forgot about Josh. I can't believe I forgot Josh Navidi exists. I forgot he was even, yeah. even on tour and he's been very good. Yeah, so Josh Navidi uh, actually DJs for real in Cardiff and has been teaching Tig Furlong and Tom Curry uh, how to DJ. And they, um, Tom Curry has invented a new genre of music which he calls scrum and bass. Oh, love it. Love it. I don't know what the um, foundation of that style might be, but it sounds great. No. And and they've and the squad now called Josh Navidi Navici. Oh, wonderful! I I, <laughs> I do love that. I do love that. <laughs> it's great. Isn't it? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Have you got time to dial into one more rugby issue, which is not Lions related? Yeah, go on. All right. So I was having a debate on Twitter, and I think it's a genuinely interesting debate, and I have come down firmly on one side of this. And it was unlike you, mate. Yep. Uh, after not considering it for very long, I made an impulsive decision, and now I'm set. <laughs> so it comes from a comment made by 
Drew Mitchell on the coverage of the France-Australia game. And he said, after the game, referees should face the music or, in other words, be interviewed by by the press or have to go and talk to the press. Do you think that's a good, a good idea or not? Uh, I think that is antithetical to rugby. Because? Because, so, you you run on the pitch, you have the referee there, just like every single player might drop a ball and make a mistake and that wasn't intentional. Referees might make errors. But but the whole point is that the referee is very different from a player in the sense that 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 respect ethos, that fact that whatever you think, come the full time whistle, you shake hands, say thank you, sir, and that's the end of it. And everyone moans about a ref after a game. That's just what you do. And every single team always manages to think that the ref was slightly uh, against them. And that's just because that's the lens that you look at a, a sporting game through. I really dislike that idea because I think it it muddies that clear line demarcation of respect and deference, actually, to a referee. So I think two things uh, can be true at once. I think that the players do not get the choice about whether they are respectful to ref. They are respectful to ref because... That's your job as a player. However, I do think that there should be uh, some sort of scrutiny on refs. And not necessarily to say, hey, you've made a mistake. Because the easiest thing for a ref to say is, yeah, I made a mistake. It'd be more interesting, and I think this is where it really does matter. When the laws change, the refs should be made to speak. Because I was thinking about all the law changes which have happened between when we started podcasting to the current day. And you say, hey, look, these laws, you know, these laws are new. And people go and say to you, no, this has been around since 2016. And I'm like, well, yeah, that is still fairly new. I mean, if you played this game and you retired, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago or seven years ago, it sounds like a long time. It is not. It is not. I, I know plenty, you know, um, I know lads who I, I still knock around with. I'm still playing. They've, they've been gone seven years. And when they... Look back, look at a game now. If they were, if they were to tell you what was happening, they wouldn't have a clue unless they've been keyed into this game year in, year out. It's very hard to know what the new laws are, and even harder than knowing what the laws are because at least the laws are changed in accordance to so-called trials and you know scientific testing and whatever the, you know consultation. You know the interpretations of the laws can be changed at a whim. And they can be changed in the middle of the season. So, take 2016 when they uh, when they had the seatbelt tackle. It'd be nice to see a referee say, yes, I penalised the seatbelt tackle. And the reason I went came down hard on all of these decisions today on the seatbelt tackle was because, A, our, dire- our directives have changed. And in our meeting on Monday, we said we're going to really focus on this one area of the game. And it would explain to me a lot of why... Things happen that happen that happen. Because I'm not saying necessarily it's the referee's fault. I am saying, though, when directives come up from high, or even when a union or a league decides to change its focus, which they do regularly, like they'll say, right, we're going to crack down on X, Y, Z without the laws ever changing, the game can materially change. So I think it'd be great to be hearing from the refs on those sort of things, and particularly about how do they prepare for the game, what were their directives, not directives, what were their directions? And, you know, something as simple as saying, 
yeah, look, I, I made these decisions in this manner because we are under pressure um, from our, you know, our referee higher-ups to make sure that we cut down on instances of high tackles or whatever it may be. I hear what you're saying. I, I don't understand why that would necessarily be after a game because all of the things that you said, which I, I agree with, by the way, actually, I don't think there's anything wrong with hearing about the process, making it transparent for referees, but I, I don't think... I, I, I haven't seen the threads talking about... I, I don't know mm. what points people were making, but it doesn't seem like it's a good faith thing in that sense about, oh, I just, I would like to, I would like to just learn about what, uh, about the referees oh, they, they, feeling yeah. about straight after a game. It sounds like it's a, 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 we need an opportunity to basically tell a ref and make them justify yeah. why they did that thing that I don't agree with. And that, that I just think is wrong. Because well, if you want, if you want explanation and justification, we have more access to our referees than pretty much any sport has to theirs in the process of the decision-making via the ref mics and the fact that the referees clearly explain their thinking, whether you agree with it or disagree with it is what we can talk about. But all of the things you just said um, about understanding what the directives are, what the interpretation is, what, what a referee does to prepare, that could be, yeah, that could be done as part of the weekly content that you get from rugby via TV, radio, yeah, podcast, but, yeah, whatever. Yeah, if you're relying on the refs, to send a statement or the referee, you know, whoever looks after the referees or the league send out a statement of what they intended to do, you would never find it because I do think there are agendas pushed through refs uh, in order to change the game fundamentally, right? Um, the other thing as well is the referee is the embodiment of the authorities in rugby who, you know, we need to question. Sim- sim- simple as that. And I think the more information we have and the more questions that we can ask, the better. But I do get the counter-argument that Journalists don't help themselves. And I know what you're saying, Tim, which is they will be asked questions not because there's a genuine interest in, you know, why did you make that decision? What's your thought process? But more, can I get a headline? Can I get, you know, you know can, I take, can I twist something? Can I push an agenda? But I think, well, what's the difference? We're getting agendas pushed on us anyway from the, from the governing bodies in the leagues. We just don't know about it. At least, you know, empower some journalists to ask questions. And to be fair... Yeah. To, to be fair, every press room that I've, I've I've been in, everything I've seen on TV, I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen someone really hector someone for a you know clickbait answer. They're actually very very polite in, in person. In fact, if anything, they're quite they're quite timid. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just because I'm thinking how I would feel if they went. Uh, now we go down to Tim, who's got uh, Wayne Barnes there, and there was a contentious red card decision. What would I? Right, can you talk us through that red card? Uh, How yeah, much, Tim? I, what, I, I, talk, I talked you through it during the game. You, you heard me. Yeah, but you got it wrong. Well, that's that's as you think about it. Um, I, I just don't understand what. The, well, I know it feel it, it feels like a got. It feels like someone's trying to get a gotcha because they, yeah. they dis. So it feels like Drew Mitchell. I don't know what's going on there, but it feels like Drew Mitchell didn't like the Corabetti got sent off and was out for blood for the referee for, yeah. for sending him off. Well, I tell you what, I would have given a lot of money to interview the ref after Spain versus, uh, versus Belgium. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. yeah, I, yeah look, the Corabetti one is, is not Spain versus Belgium. But it just shows, you know, that guy thought he 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 he, he, he could get, get away with murder. It can cost a lot, a lot of men. They're shot at, you know, basically the chance of a lifetime to go to World Cup. I'd like to interview him. Yeah, I, no, I get that. But have you got room service um, coming? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got I've just you know. I've got, I've got, Is that champagne? Got to, get the, got to get the protein in. Hold on. Yeah, can you? I said ice bucket. 
Go away until you get it right. <laughs> wow, not chilled enough. So Winston no, Churchill gonna... used to drink pints of champagne. He said a bottle was too much and what was it? It's like a glass wasn't enough, bottle was too much. And he had some really nice wording for how he liked like to feel foggy after lunch. So a pint of champagne. I think it's Paul, Paul Roger used to do pints of champagne. But of course, wow. when, when we joined the EU, we weren't allowed it. But now they're bringing back the pints of champagne. Are they really? Yeah, so I hear. See? Wonderful. Isn't it? I bet, I bet, do you know all the different sizes of champagne bottles? No. I think Phil knows it's more. Like, I think we played this as a drinking game. You just got to name champagne sizes until, until you run out, and then you drink. Presumably, the amount of champagne. Magnum, obviously. Magnum, there's, there's, there's Jeroboam, there's a Methuselah. I think that's one of the massive ones. Yes. But I don't, I don't know. I can't remember any. So the Jeroboam, I know, because there's an amazing video on YouTube of someone dropping a £30,000 Jeroboam in a club oh. in Ibiza. It just goes everywhere. In fact, if anything, it'd be cooler to drop it than to uh, actually serve it out and then buy another one. <laughs> if you bought one, you may as well buy two. What's the difference? Mate, if we're, if we're talking 30,000 bottles of champagne, I think we're done, aren't we? Oh, I think so. I, I think we've only uh, just begun. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. Hey, right. For... Well, again, where's Phil when you need him? He yeah. would have been able to... Uh... Had some meat on those bones. Yeah, for this chat and much, much more of it, uh, join us in North Dorset Sevens. 100%. Yeah, so find the tickets. If you want to um, go to the live show, do that. Uh, support us on Twitter, support us on Patreon, support us on YouTube. Do all that stuff because that's wonderful. And hopefully, we'll see many, many of you at North Dorset Sevens to watch the first test, followed by our live show in the morning of Sunday, Sunday 11 a.m. Wonderful, wonderful. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Right, I will see you on Saturday after I have scored more tries than any other man alive. Than Josh Adams? Uh, I'll score double. How, how many Josh Adams get? Five? Ten, ten I think. Ten on tour? Eight? Yeah, eight or ten. We're not going to get 20, which. but I, I, can, I can get eight or ten. I can, I can yeah. do that. Can, yeah. Right, so, mate, I shall see you soon. No worries. In a bit. Bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 